Hey everybody, Chris Fafalius here. If you enjoy One Hit Thunder, which I'm assuming you do considering you're listening to it right now, I want to tell you about another great music podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. It's called Riffs on Riffs. On this season of Riffs on Riffs, hosts Toby Braswell and Joe Watson are breaking down one iconic pop song each week. Everything from Taylor Swift's Cruel Summer to Journey's Don't Stop Believin' to Naughty by Nature's OPP. Each week, they crack open the song, trace its history, decode those cryptic lyrics, and unearth the hidden gems in its musical DNA. Not only do they dive into the song's history, lyrics, and impact, they also go down some fun and oftentimes hilarious rabbit holes. So yeah, if you're a fan of One Hit Thunder, I think you'll also enjoy Riffs on Riffs. So go hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, do you have an idea for a podcast but don't know where to start? Or do you have an already existing podcast that you want to take to the next level? Well, check out WeKnowPodcasting.com. From concept development to theme music to editing to logos, WeKnowPodcasting.com is a one-stop shop for all things pod. Don't hesitate to hit us up. We're very nice. While the 90s were full of bands that got signed during the peak of grunge, few bands had the long history and genre-bending talent of Cracker. The band first broke with their song Teen Angst, but it was Low that really delivered them into the ears of the mainstream. Our Patreon supporters wanted us to discuss this one, so we took a crack at it. because this episode was about cracker that the appropriate way to start would be to list you my top 10 favorite crackers okay does that make sense yeah let's do this okay so i started at number 10 and i went with the classic saltines okay i mean saltines aren't that great but you know there's sometimes where they just make sense i'm trying to think of a good example of when i'd really like a saltine i guess in tomato soup they're not my favorite in tomato soup but they're all right I was going to say, like, if you're sitting at a restaurant and you've ordered a soup and that's the only cracker that's coming with the soup, it's not the end of the world. It's just not your preference. Right. And also another really good thing that I like to use saltines for are to put like pepperoncinis on them. 
<laughs> okay. Okay. Pretty, pretty good. It's a good mixture of the, you know, the spicy and the salty. But saltines are my number 10. Number nine. Now, this cracker, this cracker is like a meal. And I'm talking about Triscuits. Okay. How do you feel about Triscuits? I'm, I'm not against Triscuits. I'm not a man who buys Triscuits for my own house. But if I'm <laughs> at a party and someone's got a box of Triscuits, I'll, I'll go through some Triscuits. Yeah. I mean, you can only eat like three Triscuits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, are, they are hearty crackers. At number eight, I had Cheddar Goldfish. Yes. I like goldfish. They are dry as hell. Yes. I'll tell you that. No, no, no. If you, you, uh, I used to do like handfuls of goldfish. Fool's decision. They will like, yeah. they will dry your mouth out so fucking fast. At number seven, I have toasteds. Now, you might not know what toasteds are, but if you saw them like on a cheese tray, you'd be like, oh, those. They're round. They have holes in them. They're kind of brownish. Okay. They're good. They're good for eating with cheese. Okay, I'll take it. Listeners might know what I'm talking about. Number six, which might not have been on my list had it not been for about a week ago, I was at my girlfriend Marquette's house and she busted out the Cheez-Its. And at first I'm like, eh, I don't want Cheez-Its. And then I took a handful of them and I'm like, damn, these are pretty good. And before you know it, I probably ate 10 handfuls of Cheez-Its and they were good. So I'm not a big Cheez-Its guy, but wow. I recall the Anti-Fest. I'm pretty sure we had a box of, if not Cheez-Its, like a Trader Joe's off-brand version of a Cheez-It down there. And that was kind of all we oh, had to yeah. snack on. And I kind of became a little bit of a Cheez-It guy during that just sitting in the, the little green room area. <laughs> yeah, Steve brought some sort of generic Cheez-Its, right? That's who brought those? Yeah. The real deal, man. They're good. They're good. And number five, I got a classic. And I can't believe I didn't rank this higher. Actually, you know what? I got to go higher. I'm going to go number five. I'm putting honey-made graham crackers. Okay. I mean, graham crackers are kind of borderline almost a cookie <laughs> just because they're sweet, but they are crackers and when i would have crackers left in my cupboard because i had bought them to make s'mores at some point or whatever i would just eat the crackers themselves and be like damn these are good so i'm not a big marshmallow guy and i'm also i don't have much of a sweet tooth but like if people have got up the fire and they're making some s'mores i'm sneaking a sleeve of graham crackers to myself just to, wow. to munch on yeah i love a graham cracker could be number one on my actual list if I sat down oh, and ranked crackers. They are good, but you're the <laughs> you're the guy when people go, "What the hell? We have all these Hershey bars and marshmallows, but we are, we're out of graham crackers." And I've you just got, got crumbs, crumbs, crumbs all over. <laughs> crumbs all over. You, yeah, <laughs> that's weird. Okay. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> At number four, I got the classic, which I I decided to bump up last minute. Club crackers, Keebler Club crackers. All right, yeah, great in soup. Great with cheese. They are a great all-around cracker, man. And you just eat plain. They're great. I'm curious. I've got two that are on my list that I have not heard you say yet, so I'm hoping mm. they're in the top three. Yeah, but the club crackers, here's a word to the wise. What's really good with club crackers is if you have cream cheese. Just put some cream cheese on those club crackers. What a snack. I'll give that Holy a shot. Cow. That sounds pretty good. All right. Number three. All right. And number three, I got wheat thins. Oh, how do you feel about wheat thins? Kind of mixed on that. Wow. I, I would put them in the same bucket as Triscuits. You would never see me buying wheat thins for my own home, 
But if I'm, you know, watching the Super Bowl at someone's house and they've got a bowl of wheat thins, I'll probably have a couple of them. Wow. You watch the Super Bowl? That's like the one <laughs> football thing I watch. Nice. I want it, especially this year, I'm not missing Dre and the hologram of Tupac that oh. we've predicted. Like Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Okay, gotcha. Wheat thins. What's crazy about wheat thins is that they're like a salty cracker, but then like when you're halfway through chewing, they're kind of sweet. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, that is, I like them. I agree with that. Okay. Let's see if I dig them. My final em. two. Let's see if they make it into your top two. I'm curious. My number two is Nabisco vegetable thins. Okay, so at least one of mine is not making this list. <laughs> and uh, wait, don't tell me what yours are. I'm gonna predict what yours are after this. After I tell you, vegetable thins are great. They're very tasty, flavorful, savory. They go great with everything. They go great in tomato soup. They're great with cheese. I love vegetable things. They're great by themselves. That's a quality in a great cracker is like you don't even need the other stuff. Vegetable thins, I can just dig in. And my number one, as you probably can predict, Ritz. Nothing's okay. beating a Ritz. Thank God. That was I was <laughs> like, Ritz is my number one. My number two, and I wouldn't oh, even. Oh, hold on, hold on. I want to guess. Okay. I want to guess. Okay. Let me guess. Well, Ritz, we all know Ritz. Ritz is, the is best. number one. I I could go through a whole sleeve in a sitting. Like it's so good. I had I left this off my list because I'm not sure whether I can eat them or not, so I never do. But were you gonna say chicken and a biscuit? No, no. But chicken and a biscuit is pretty good. You know, you had mentioned when you had brought up plain old saltines, and we were talking about like I was like, you know, if you go out and get soup somewhere, and that's the only thing that they have. But I was thinking about the oyster crackers, the little round dudes that you can like pour into your soup at a at a friendlies. <laughs> like, right. Yeah, those are good in soup. Those would be in my top twenty, I guess. But just to open a box of oyster crackers and dig in, fair, I don't know. Fair. That it's just it's sounds- a very soup. Sa- I wouldn't put a Ritz cracker in a soup per se. Like the crackers serve their different purposes. But you know what? There's there's another cracker worth giving an honorable mention to, and that's what's that? Uh, 1993's alternative rock band cracker. <laughs> and they're hit low yeah. as voted on by the Patreon for us to discuss. <laughs> well, to be honest, I mean, we're going to discuss this. I don't know if I would put the band Cracker in my top 10 favorite crackers. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I, I the, here's the question we got to figure out during this episode. Would I put Cracker, the band, above the number 10 on my list, saltines? That is the question. Is Cracker, the band, better than saltines and we're gonna figure it out so here's something that's been kind of eating at me ever since we decided to pick this one and i started to do research on it if i said crackers a one-hit wonder you would say of course they are right like that's how i felt yeah so here's the thing with cracker that's like absolutely blowing my mind is that before the song low they had a song called teen angst that actually was a number one hit on the modern rock charts the song that we're discussing right. today, Low, was a number three hit. So they had a song that was higher on the modern rock charts than Low. Now, Low crossed over into the mainstream chart, but it only peaked at 64. And their, like, quote-unquote, failed follow-up, I Hate My Generation, peaked at 67. So it's, like, this weird, like, they're well, either no hit wonder or, like, multiple modest hit wonder like they're in this weird little bucket that i can't categorize and this it's been one of the more bizarre ones because it's like it's undeniable if you say hey we're doing cracker no one's gonna be like oh you're talking about i hate my generation teen angst or low they're gonna be like oh yeah you're gonna talk about low let me start by saying that 
Low is the song that really has just perpetuated on modern rock radio for the past how, couple decades. That's the song. Be with you girls like being low. Like everybody knows that song. I think rock radio has a lot to do with that. But what people who are listening to this who don't dive deep into Cracker might not realize is you know that teen angst what the world need needs now song. You know it, and and I know it. It's what the world needs now is another folk singer. That that song, everybody knows that, that melody. But yeah, I, I actually like that song way better than Low. Okay. That Teen Angst song, I do. It's a lot. There's something about Cracker's sound that's like bluesy so or something cracker that is, i don't like <laughs> cracker is very strange uh, so i own two of their albums i i own the kerosene hat which has low and i have their follow-up mm-hmm. the golden age with i hate my generation and those albums are you're you're a fan of the gorillas right eh. okay this is the only time that anyone's <laughs> going to compare cracker to the gorillas but one of the things that kind of was appealing to me with the gorillas was that like their albums, maybe the album has 17 tracks, but it feels like across those 17 tracks are like 10 different genres, right? Like they'll have like an indie rock song. They'll have like a fast, like minute and a half, like hardcore punk song. And then it'll be like a trip hop song. And then it'll be like, hey, we're just going to ha- let De La Soul go crazy on this beat for a little bit. Like it was a blend of different sounds. And that's what I liked about the gorillas. And it's the exact same thing that I dislike about Cracker <laughs> is that like it's the genres <laughs> of their songs are all over the fucking place. Here's the thing. And I, I just figured this out now is I like when bands songs all sound different from each other but i gotta like those styles of those songs (laughs) and and the styles that cracker tends to go to which are everything from blues to like psychedelic i guess i don't know just all a lot of different types of styles don't really appeal to me although i do respect that they like that song another song song kerosene hat which i actually kind of like and it's another one of those ones where i feel like a lot of people would be like yeah i know this song is get off this yep you you know get off this that that song like people will recognize that i don't know why that song (laughs) wasn't really a hit why do i know that i think it depends on like 1993 listening to because i've said this about a lot of the songs from like 1996 and 1997 which like that was when i was literally sitting by the rock radio with cassette tapes just recording everything that came on and like i think that rock radio in 1993 was like it didn't matter if the song was charting well per se if like a band that had a big hit had a new single they were gonna really give it its due for a couple months to see like if it caught on or not so it's like if you were just like listening to the radio regularly in 1993 1994 you probably heard that song constantly coming on while we're talking about radio i do have to talk about my favorite factoid about the song low which was that the radio didn't want to play the song because of the lyric it's like being stoned and feeling like it was promoting drug use so (laughs) 
there's a quote from the lead singer that he had to write a statement saying, no, 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 no. The song's not about drugs. I'm saying it's like being stone. <laughs> and he's like, I didn't think anyone would believe me, but that's what our lawyer told me I had to do. So I just did it. I mean, I guess it worked because they played the song and it was a pretty big hit. Right. Looking at the rest of the lyrics of the song, because I never really analyzed the lyrics to the song before. It is so clearly about drugs. Well, also, you he could have said... <laughs> That it's like being stoned, like being, you know, like biblically stoned. Yeah, 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 like stoned in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> One more thing I, I want to mention. I, I do want to dive into the lyrics of the song and stuff. But before Cracker, singer David Lowry was had a band called Camper Van Beethoven, and everybody knows this band because they sing "Take the Skinheads Bowling," which, honestly. I think is a better song than any Cracker song I've heard. <laughs> Probably the best song this guy ever made. And it's, I, you could tell it's very early work, but it's, it's such like a fun song. And it puts me in the mind of like everything from dead milkmen to they might be giants or whatever. The lyrics are nonsense. And it's just like a, a great song, you know? And, and I, I'm sure that would probably piss david lowry off yeah. saying like oh your your nonsense early stuff is way better than your your later work but that's just my taste you know from what i was reading so camper van beethoven started in 1983 and that was his band all the way up to 1990 camper van beethoven disbands and he immediately forms cracker and gets signed and at first i was like wait, what? Like this dude, like it was like the band formed in 1990, their debut album was released on Virgin Records in 1991. But I'm like, oh, well, if he was in this band already, like that's kind of like you could just get a free pass sometimes. Or as some record contracts are, it's like, hey, we own your songs regardless what band you're in. Like if they sign you to a 10 album contract and your band breaks up after six albums, guess what? That label has claimed to the next four albums by your next band depending on how that contract was written he does this cracker thing but in the 2000s camper van beethoven reformed and i gotta say david lowry's pulling a chris fafios a little bit here because now a lot of the times they'll he'll just do both bands at one show so he'll like open with one band have another wow. band play in the middle and then do the next set with the other band <laughs> uh and that's just kind of turned into like how he tours now is like it'd be like if you were like all right another cheat is going to go on tour with punchline this year <laughs> and you're just like right. doing double duty for every show so i got to yeah. say Mixed feelings on the band Cracker, but it does seem like, man, if there's anybody who's fucking passionate about just playing music, I got to give credit to David Lowry because that's a uh, lot yeah. of work. I, I will say that. I, I will say something that might sound a little bit pretentious, but I kind of hate doing that. That thing where I, I mean, I've done it yeah. plenty of times where I've played multiple bands in one night. But and I know this might sound pretentious or whatever, but it's just kind of how it is if you're in the headlining band and also in the opening band, you, you kind of want to feel like when you take the stage, like, oh, yeah, I'm taking the stage. Get excited, everybody. <laughs> but if you've already been there 45 minutes ago, it doesn't feel like as special or something. But here's what I'll say. David Lowry, I actually watched an ABC News interview with him, <laughs> and he seems really cool. And like you said, Matt, passionate about music just because – I happen to not like some of the styles that they go for. It doesn't mean that that he's not great 
that he's not a great songwriter and they're not a great band. I'm not saying that at all. It's just kind of like personal taste. Yeah, this is not like when we're doing, say, not not even to like call out specific, but like when we're doing, say, Crazy Town, where it's very clear that we are we're we're not into the band and we also don't think that they're a particularly good band like this is a little bit different where i think that like cracker is i'm kind of a lukewarm cracker fan it's like i enjoy a couple of their songs mostly just their hits but there's a few songs that are on the albums that i own that i enjoy but i'm not like going to go out and see cracker live and i think you would maybe listen to that teen angst song a couple times and then be done with it you know, the way I can put it that makes it like more of a visual thing is the video for Low is in black and white. As are other of their music videos I watch, they're in black and white. That kind of is how I feel about their music. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's like it's not super interesting to me even though it's good. I will say that the video for Low has Sandra Bernhardt playing a boxer that's boxing him and beating him up in a ring. That's pretty cool. I just don't understand, like, why black and white? I feel like it would have been a lot more interesting had it not been in black and white. The uh, only thing I could think of is if it's a boxing music video, arguably, I mean, it's Rocky or this, but arguably one of the most famous boxing movies of all time, Raging Bull, is all in black and white. So it could mm, be like an homage to that a little call. bit. Good call. I bet you're right. I bet you're right. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard. Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. So there's one other thing before we dive into the lyrics. I want to talk about after after this song comes out, band does the thing, the kind of the '90s thing. They appear on a bunch of soundtracks. They're on the Clueless soundtrack. They're on Empire Records. They start putting out country albums in in 2003, and they no, also do a bluegrass no. Why? album. Why? They do an they do an album called Oh Cracker, Where Art Thou, where a bluegrass band covered all of their songs, but with David Lowery doing the vocals still. But David Lowry in 2015 was kind of spearheaded a class action lawsuit against Spotify over their unpaid royalties, which stemmed from an article he wrote in 2013 called My Song Got Played on Pandora One Million Times and All I Got Was $16.89. 
less than what I make from a single t-shirt sale, which I think I actually vaguely remember that article maybe about a decade ago as like kind of the David Lowry almost feels like a little bit like the Lars <laughs> of like the streaming scene, kind of mm-hmm. like the, the, I don't want to say the jaded rocker, but like the dude who's kind of like, yo, this is fucking my entire life right now. And like now the new way that people digest this stuff is making it almost physically impossible to survive as a musician anymore. He's right. He's right. I mean, it doesn't sit well with me and any musician. I would, I would hope that, you know, things like Spotify where you're making fractions of a cent per play, but the CEO of Spotify is a billionaire Yeah, from other people's music. And yet we have to play the game. We have we have no choice unless all the artists banded together and we're like, okay, we're not using your thing anymore until this changes. But that's probably not going to happen. But probably what could happen is all the big artists, you know, Taylor Swift could get together with, I don't know, the Foo Fighters and Olivia Rodrigo and Bruce Springsteen. Like they're probably 10 artists that could get together and change everything. And I know Taylor Swift did in certain ways change things in her interest and maybe it trickled down to everybody else in certain ways. But I'm saying like if the top 10 biggest selling artists got together and like, no, you got to change this, it would change. And I'm not against the guy who created Spotify being rich. Yeah. He created something everyone uses, but billionaire billionaire while artists can't even pay their bills, like yeah. that is sickening and disgusting. So, you know, I think it's pretty cool. This was talking about Pandora, but I think it's cool that David Lowry spoke out, you know? And I also feel like in a weird way, I think in a weird way, Spotify is almost worse than than like, and, and just the streaming model in general is worse than say like Napster and LimeWire. Because I think that like, Napster and LimeWire, when I was a kid and I was using Napster and LimeWire, I understood that I was stealing something. You know what I mean? Like, I got that. So it's like, I wouldn't take like a full album, right? I would like, say I heard like, let's push things forward by the streets. I was like, oh, I really dig this song. Let me check out a couple more of the songs. I would download like three or four other songs and be like, yeah, I'm going to buy this album. And I would like go out and buy this album. Whereas like, I feel like streaming, it almost makes the common person feel like, no, I'm helping the artist out right here. And it's like, uh, if you wanted to help out the artist, you'd go to their band camp and like drop the $5 on the EP that they're selling on there or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and I'm not saying this isn't anything against the listeners, you know, like, no, 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 uh, I think, but if it's, it makes you feel like, oh, I'm streaming this. So I'm helping out the artist. And it's like, not really. I like the streaming sites. I like what they are. My only problem is how much the artists are receiving from that. Yeah, I'm speaking for myself to a certain extent, but I'm I'm speaking for everybody. You know, like it shouldn't take 400 streams of your song to make $1. Yeah. You know, that like that's that's a lot. It, it should change. <laughs> that's not what we're here what we're here to talk about. That's we're not here what we're, here. About we're talking cracker. about low. Yeah, we're talking about low by Cracker. Uh, let's let's analyze the lyrics a little bit because I really never paid attention to them. I just knew the chorus, right? And I feel like if the song was on, I'd sing along with it, but I wouldn't be thinking about like most of what I was singing. But sitting down and reading the lyrics, I was like, oh, yeah, this is <laughs> this is kind of a song about heroin. 
So, you know, you start off with, sometimes I want to take you down. Sometimes I want to get you low. Brush your hair back from your eyes. Take you down and let the river flow. What would you think that meant? So I was reading a little bit of the rap genius breakdowns of this stuff, which I love that I still call it rap genius. It's now just genius. It's, <laughs> but whatever. And this was saying that like at the time that he was writing this, he was reading a lot of like books of poetry and, and was really into like abstract art paintings and wanted to write just kind of an abstract couple verses. So like the first couple verses, it just kind of sounds like one half of it is like, sometimes I want to take you down. Sometimes I want to get you low, which sounds like, you know, he's actively being antagonistic. You know what I mean? Like he's actively like, you know, when I hear like, sometimes I want to take you down, that doesn't sound like a good thing. Like that sounds like someone wants to take you Mm -hmm. in, like someone wants to fight you. Someone wants to take you down a peg. Like it's, it's not a good term. But then the flip side of that is like, brush your hair back from your eyes take you down to let the river flow, which I'm wondering, it like, that almost sounds, like, semi-romantic. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, hey, like, right. I'm going to brush this hair out of your eyes. We're going to go and, like, check out this river at the <laughs> at the bottom of this hill. So it's, like, the, the, you know, back and forth in there. Sometimes I go and walk the street behind the green sheet of glass, a million miles below their feet, a million miles, a million miles. The million miles part is almost as iconic as the actual chorus in this song because right. it comes up so many times. But again, I have at this point, I'm like, I don't know what the fuck he's talking about, right? Then we get into the, you know, I'll be with you, girl, like being low, hey, 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 like being stoned. This is the lyric where it becomes kind of clear that it might be about heroin is a million poppies gonna make me sleep. <laughs> Very heroin lyric there. Just one rose and knows your name. A fruit is rustling on the vines. The fruit is calling from the trees. Hey, don't you want to go down like some junky cosmic knot a million miles below their feet, a million miles, a million miles. I, I almost think that what he's doing is comparing the ups and downs of a relationship with the ups and downs of a heroin addiction. Sure, sure yeah, I see that. And dude, there's there's so many songs about heroin. It's crazy. How many yes. there are, you know, heroin is the drug that the few times I've seen someone on heroin, like I can see someone on cocaine and being like, ah, eh, they look like they're having a good time. <laughs> Mushrooms, weed, all that look like they're having a good time. I've never seen someone on heroin and thought I want whatever that guy's having. Yeah, like, I want to, I want to <laughs> nod off. <laughs> yeah, like they never look like they're having a good time. I'm sure they're having right. a blast in their brain. Blue, blue is the sun. Brown, brown is the sky. Green, green of her eyes. A million miles, a million miles. Hey, don't you want to go down like some disgraced cosmonaut? A million miles below their feet. A million miles, a million miles. And then we, you know, go into the be with you girl, like being low song. Yeah, it's definitely like, it's funny. I was thinking about this song. As you said, there's a lot of songs about heroin, right? And I was driving to to get Starbucks, like a trendy dude in his 30s. And I had the Goldfinger self-titled album on and that City of Two Faces, Out Fuck LA song came on. Yeah, and right, there, right. there's even that line where he says, like, I've had my, my motorcycle stolen here more times than Nirvana wrote songs about heroin. And I had the cracker lyrics fresh in my head. I'm like, God damn, the 90s had a lot of songs about heroin. Also, the thing that's been done, I, I can't imagine how many times this has been done now where it's the double entendre just like in christian music the double entendre of oh it's a love song but no it's about jesus yeah the double entendre of oh it's a love song no it's about heroin like that has been done 
so many times now. A recent one I think of is that 1975 It's Not Living If It's Not With You song. Sounds yeah. so much like a love song. Then you read the lyrics. You're like, oh, this is very obviously about or, heroin. Not not heroin, but uh, I mean, the weekend's cocaine song, I Can't Feel oh, My Face. Like yeah, another right. prime example. I like the weekend. I mean, especially like early weekend. Once he became like straight up pop, I'm kind of like, eh, it's yeah. okay. I liked it when he was like, the more like grimy R&B. Every song is just about drugs. Like, yeah. you know, drugs that make you sleepy. <laughs> kind, <laughs> kind of dr- drugs. But uh, yeah, the song, uh, lyrically, okay, I-, I get it. They're very abstract lyrics. They are super abstract. And, and I think that that's a... It's funny because, you know, on, on the Patreon, we're going to break down another song by them called I Hate My Generation, which is the least abstract lyrics. Yeah. It is very to the point with that one. But I think more so on the whole, they they especially on this album, the Kerosene Hat album, I feel like was very not writing any trends. I don't think that they were like, oh, let's do what all these other bands are doing. But it was definitely them at their most abstract lyrically. They They were definitely doing the same thing that you get with like Kurt Cobain or Eddie Vedder, where it's like. You know, the lyrics is smells like Teen Spirit don't make a lick of sense. And apparently they were just being made up in the studio at the time. And it kind of shows when you like look at them. But mm-hmm. I think that this was way more concentrated. Like it wasn't like, you know, mosquito my libido. Like it was like, no, he probably took time to sit down and like write this out. But it reads very poetic. Yeah. Like when I when I have the lyrics in front of me, they translate as a poem as much as they do song lyrics which is cool and i'm sure that they have meaning that aren't just popping out to me as we're talking on the spot and i'd probably go deeper into figuring out what they meant if i liked the song more (laughs) but the song once again and this isn't fair to the artist but it's a song that's just been like shoved down i mean i feel like it's been shoved down my throat for the past couple decades like and when i hear it I don't necessarily like that I'm hearing it. <laughs> you know, if it's on, that's fine. I think it's also one of those things where it's like, like I said, this peaked at 64 on the on the charts, but like it has stayed in the public mind longer than some of the songs that have charted way higher than it in the last couple decades as well. Like it's like I'm I'm kind of almost curious what it is. And and the only thing I can think of is that. It's got one of those choruses where it's like if you're hanging out with a group of people when it's on, you're probably all gonna like do the hey, 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 like being stoned. Like it's got a sing along ability to it mm-hmm. that I think hell it doesn't matter what it charted at. Like you hear that song, and if you're even kind of a pseudo fan of that song, you're gonna kind of sing along with it while it's <laughs> on in the car. Here's here's a situation where I could see that happening. Haven't been able to have parties recently. But I feel like if I had a party and the theme of the party was 90s and then this song came on and I was really drunk and all my friends were also really drunk and then really passionately sang this chorus and laughed about the fact that we're singing Cracker Low so emphatically because this is not a song that any of us like or would ever sing and we're only doing it because we're drunk. That's a situation where I could see that happening and really, and then maybe walking away from that really kind of liking low (laughs) because now I have this memory of hilariously singing low. I know there's a lot of songs like 
that, that where that scenario has happened. It hasn't happened with Lowe, but I look forward to a day when that might happen with Lowe. So the other thing that I wanted to call out, and this is just whenever stuff like this pops up, I, I always feel like it's worth mentioning because again, we do get the, you know, how is this considered a one hit wonder? Like this song, they had all these hits on the alternative charts and this kind of just jumped out at me. So 1993 is when this song peaked at number three on the modern rock slash alternative charts. The number one song at the time that it peaked was a song by the Lemonheads called Into Your Arms, which I listened to. I See, I'm not familiar with this song. I know a place where I can go. When so I'm lonely. love that song. It's a good it's song. I just, I didn't know it when I heard it, but that was the longest charting number one alternative rock song of 1993. It held the number one spot for nine weeks. Into Your Arms did? Yeah. <laughs> like that was wow. the one that held the top spot longer than any other song on the modern rock charts that year. That's and way like, more up my alley. Into Your Arms. It's just like more of like a feel good pop song i really like that but it, song. but i think but my point being like i think that there's a lot more people who wouldn't even blink an eye if you were like lemonheads they're a one-hit wonder for their cover of mrs robinson and people be like yeah that's kind of the only song i know by i'm sure but it's like no they've mm. had plenty of songs that like had i remember loving the song if i could talk i'd tell you well matt i i think you bring up an interesting point here you're saying into your arms was number one on what the rock charts alternative rock Alter- charts yeah alternative rock charts for nine weeks straight and this song low was not yes right S- but now i think low is the way bigger song between those <laughs> exactly. two this is the w- way more well-known song so that goes to show you matt like we always look at charts to de- to determine you know at least partially determine is this a one-hit wonder or not and I do think there's something more important in determining what's a one-hit wonder in how it has stood the test of time. And yeah. Low, Low, for one reason or another, has stood the test of time more than Into Your Arms. Yeah. It's it, kind of true. It's just a weird thing to think about. And, you know, things get reused in movie soundtracks. Like, it could be 20 years later. I guarantee you right now, Matt... There is some Netflix show that takes place in the... What was that stupid show? That Fear took, Street one? Yeah. Oh, my every, God. Those every were horrendous. Every second was a different 90s song yeah. in that first movie. <laughs> Guarantee you they used low at some point. It was just like, boom, <laughs> boom, 90s song, 90s song, 90s song, 90s song. It was just... It was too much. I, I think that's how songs come back into, the, into people's consciousness, too. And this song has stayed there. I don't feel like this song has really gone away. I don't know why that is. Maybe it's that very sing-songy chorus. I don't really know what it is about this. I would rather take the skinheads bowling would have stayed more more on the radio and stuff. I think that's a catchier song. But Matt, we're always determining whether an artist was a one-hit blunder or if they brought the one-hit thunder. I think we're both going to say that this is thunder just because, I mean... David Lowry has made a long career of making music and, you know, being popular with it. He's a, a, a lifer. He's, you know, and he's good. He's definitely good. He's got a cool voice, written a lot of songs that a lot of people love. I don't think we can argue that it's a blunder by any means. No, it's 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 lasted for a reason. Um, but I think the bigger question on everyone's, on everyone's mm-hmm. mind is, did it surpass Saltines? Well, that's what I wanted to talk to you about, Matt, is <laughs> I think for this, speci- this special episode, 
we can put Cracker. Now we've discussed them. We've had the the positives, the negatives, whatever. We've dove into the song. Where would you put Cracker the band in my top 10 list of crackers? Hmm. That is the real question. I'll put Cracker the band above Saltines. Okay. And you know what? I'm going to go ahead and do it. I'll put Cracker the band above Triscuits as well. Wow. Okay. What was number eight? Remind me what your number Cheddar eight Goldfish. Was. <sighs> yeah, no, I can't put Cracker above Cheddar Goldfish. <laughs> that would be crazy. Yeah, I think that that's, I think that that's a, a, a nice spot right there yeah. in between Cheddar Goldfish and Triscuits. <laughs> Perfect. So long as Uncle Cracker is nowhere near that list. No, no, Uncle Cracker is not. <laughs> Uncle <laughs> Uncle Cracker. I, I, I'm trying to think. What's the worst cracker? It's Uncle. It's actually it's a, Uncle Cracker. I think it's Uncle Cracker. <laughs> uh, no, I'm trying to think of what the worst actual cracker is. I, I can't even. Yeah. I don't think. That, I don't think such a thing exists. Crackers are a delightful thing, and I'm glad that we have them. Yeah. Hi there, I like to return myself This one's defective, it's there on the shelf I tried it, I liked it, but it must be bad timing now I don't think that it's boding well This has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is hosted by Chris Vefalios of the band's Punchline Pack and Another Cheetah and produced by Matt Kelly of Geekscape.net. Underneath me, you're hearing Dead When It Hits the Shelves off the Punchline album Lion. Visit punchline.com for more information on future shows, releases, and merchandise. We're on Patreon now. Visit us at patreon.com backslash OHT podcast for bonus material, early access to episodes, and a chance to help decide what songs we discuss on future episodes. Do you want to hear your song as the closing credits song? Or do you have any interest in sponsoring an episode? Contact me at matt at geekscape.net for our rates. If you have any interest in podcasting, visit weknowpodcasting.com for how Matt and Chris can make your show sound as professional as possible. Let us know your thoughts on the show by emailing us at onehitthunderpodcast at gmail.com and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. Tune in next week for another episode of One Hit Thunder. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you'd cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. 
Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media.